0: You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I'm Janine, and this is Get the Funk Out. Today I'm in conversation with Mark Nepo. He's a poet and spiritual advisor who has taught in the fields of poetry and spirituality for over 30 years. He's best known for his New York Times number one bestseller, The Book of Awakening. He has published 12 books and recorded six audio projects. He's a cancer survivor, and he writes and teaches about the journey of inner transformation and the life of a relationship. It's my pleasure to welcome to this week's show, Mark Nepo. Good morning. How are you?
1: I'm good. Good to be with you. Thank you.
0: I want to share that I was interviewing uh, someone on my show, and um, he teaches yoga, and he mentioned you, and he mentioned uh, your book, uh, Book of Awakenings. Is that correct?
1: Yes, yes.
0: And I looked it up, and I ran to the library. And I was so intrigued, and I wanted to have you on, so I really appreciate you taking the time to call in.
1: Oh, sure. Well, thank you. I appreciate um, being with you.
0: I want to I want to back up and ask you how you became a poet and a spiritual advisor. You know, at what point in your life was there something that transpired?
1: Well, I think that, you know, early on, um, uh, you know, I think I've always... Kind of life has spoken to me through metaphor, and i've always felt even as a child before I had language for it, connected to the oneness of things and I think that led me into expressing and and led me toward being a poet, but in my thirties i'm I just turned sixty eight and in my thirties, um I had a rare form of lymphoma uh, and over a three year period you know it was very Challenging, and I almost died and was blessed to be here wow. and that that really deepened me into everything I don't know that i you know that I did a complete one eighty in how I saw life, but it deepened everything. I kind of went from my head into my heart, and I became a student of all paths, and I've been really all my books and all my work and my teaching is centered around. Around lifting up that common center and helping people uh, introduce people to their own gifts and their own wisdom.
0: That's what I found so powerful about you is that, um, you know, I was I was looking at the book of awakenings and I was so touched by your words and when you wrote this book, where. I may ask like where were you when you wrote this? Do you go to the same place? Do you have a, a pattern of writing?
1: well b- back then it actually it's amazing because next year uh will be the twentieth anniversary of that that book was published in two thousand and um and it was uh, and next year will be the twentieth year. And um, the publisher, we're going to bring out a 20th anniversary edition, which
0: oh, is fantastic.
1: Amaz- amazing to me Yes, to think it's that long. But, you know, I was, I was a few years on the other side of my cancer journey. And I also have a lot of people still do in my life who are in various forms of recovery. And so I would see day books really used everywhere I would go. I mean, they were in cars, kitchens, bathrooms. They were, mm-hmm. you know, in people's back pockets, knapsacks. And so it occurred to me, like, this is like a modern form. And if I could fill that with small doses of what matter, it would be a way to give back. And so it took me, you know, it sounds like, oh, gee, just a dentry for every day, that's small. But there's 365 right. days in a year, <laughs> so it was a lot bigger than it seemed. And it took three years to really write. I was living at the time. Now, uh, you know, I live in Michigan, but I was living in Albany at the time, and um, and I would just, you know, I would work on on them every day. You know, I was in the kind of the sea of it, and the challenge was only to go to it when I was writing from my heart, yes. and if I slipped up into my head then just stop and pick it up again the next day when I can be more heart-centered. Because that was my goal, is not to have anything, and it remains my goal with anything I write, is not to have anything that's not heart-centered.
0: Describe that a little bit more.
1: Well, it means, uh, you know, we we tend to perceive the world through, well, well, first off, let's say this, that, you know, our mind and our heart in most, older cultures, Eastern cultures, Hindu and Asian, um, the mind and the heart are considered one perceptual organ. Mm-hmm. And we we in the West, we tend to try to we tend to think that the, well no, the mind's in the head and the heart's in the chest. And while our physical brain and physical heart are there, and you know, I'm not sure that, that, that that's true. But but how do we meet the world? Do we meet the world through our mind, through our ideas, through our problem-solving first, or do we meet it through what we feel and what we sense? So, you know, the difference is that we understand um, through our mind what we experience through our heart. So when I can be, um, you know, very uh, present and... You know, just like I'm looking out this window at a tree. Well, we're the ones who gave it the name tree. You know, it's right. this, it's this, I don't right, it's this thing that amazingly grows out of the ground. Um, and when we can look at things like Adam or Eve th- through our heart, we we return to that sense of being the first man or woman on earth.
0: Wow. I, I love the way you put things. Um you know, I always say we live in this incredibly fast-paced time, we have all this technology, and it's very hard for people to have stillness and disconnect and be present. We're always thinking about the past and the future and do you think this is something that can be taught to kids?
1: Well, yeah, I think, you know, I think that um every age from, the, from prehistoric times, you know, it, people in prehistoric times had the same challenges. We just have more tools, mm-hmm. and they're more sophisticated. And, you know, they still struggled with being where they were. And so, yes, I think we can. In fact, I think kids innately, you know, I think we start out um, with a much greater sense of being where we are. And then we're pulled into the past and the future. And, the jo- and it's human. But our job, our spiritual practice, our personal spiritual practice, is how do we return to that? I, I like to call it the pace of what is real. You know, when my, and all the spiritual traditions have meditation practices in different ways, that when we speed up or we get stuck in the past or in pains or in dreams or in relationships, how how do, how do we return to the pace of what is real? So for me, that What does that mean? That means that uh, our body, our mind, and our heart, when they can move all together, and I can slow down and have them move at the same pace, things get more authentic. Things get have that extra glow. They get more real. And, of course, being human, I can't stay there. Right. No one can, so... My mind races or I get frightened and my heart speeds up with adrenaline and I fall out of sync. But the practice is not to blame or condemn when we're not in sync, but how do I return there? How do I return there? Because when I am there, I see, hear, and feel more clearly. And so being in the moment, not, it not only does it introduce us to wholeness, but we make different decisions when we see from there and when we hear from there, and when we think from that space of clarity.
0: I'm I'm thinking about what you're saying, and I remember um, when my dad was very sick from cancer and I would walk and I would listen to Anushka Shankar and I just that kind of music and music with no vocals and and I would have some deep insightful moments i i would just feel better i so this has been built into my life if i'm writing if i'm walking to disconnect for a while from the busyness of my life
1: well and it's actually we disconnect from the busyness but what we're real at the same time we're reconnecting to the oneness of things Mm -hmm. so the busyness of life fragments us and you know, and that pulls us, pulls us away. And so, you know, technology, for instance, it's wonderful. I love technology. It's enabling us to talk today, you know. And, um, but, but technology is not a code to live by. It's a tool. It's inert. It doesn't have values. But if we don't have values, if we're not pursuing an inner inquiry or our life, then, like water filling a hole then the characteristics of technology or whatever we encounter will just fill us in and become our default value. So that means with technology we'll be moving fast, we'll be have split attention, we'll always be thinking that life is other than where we are. And that that's one of the 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 I think perennial hardest obstacles in, in any time is that Things speed us up, and then we think that life is over there when life is only here. There is no there. Yes, that's <laughs> you know, so true. Yeah, there's only here. There's only here.
0: So what advice would you give to people who are listening and they think, gosh, I'm having a hard time being present and taking care of myself, and I feel like I'm falling apart?
1: Yeah, well, you know, first off, my heart goes out to anyone because this journey of being human is both messy and magnificent, and um, and the challenge is for all of us and for myself. Even whatever you know, just because I've written books or I teach or I, I've been around a while, I'm not exempt from the process. It, it doesn't mm-hmm. stop. We're we're we all pick it up every day again. So I think the thing. For me, is that when life pushes when the difficult things in life push us away, it is our job to lean back in, just the way you think of surf. Surf comes in, and then there's an undertow. Then the waves come back in, and then there's an undertow. And so the undertow is the, are the difficult things, pain, fear, worry, you know that that uh, grief, woundedness, all of those things that that pull us back. And then we have to lean back in. And what does that mean? So that means, you know, for me, my practice, what I try to do is, when I find myself confused or hurting or afraid, is to drop everything and give attention to whatever is nearest to me, give my full attention to whatever's before me, to be completely present and to lean back into life so that I can... Be I, I can be drawn out of what uh, the acuteness of whatever I'm feeling. Now there's an old, there's, and this is in the book of awakening. But okay. there's an old an, anonymous Hindu teaching story about pain. But let me quickly share it with you. Yes. And um, uh, so you know, there's a master and an apprentice. There's always a master and an apprentice. <laughs> and and the and the master finds the apprentice very annoying. He's just always complaining about life, about everything. So finally he says to the apprentice, I want you to get a glass full of water and bring it back to me. Put some salt in it and come back to me quietly. So the apprentice does this and then the master says, drink from the glass of water. So he drinks from the water and he spits it out. The master says, what's the matter? He says, it's bitter. He says, I want you to get the same exact amount of salt. Carry it in your hands and follow me quietly. And so the apprentice does this, and the master leads him to a lake. And when they get to the lake, he says to the apprentice, okay, put the salt in the lake. So he puts the salt in the lake, and the master says, now drink from the lake. So the apprentice kneels down, and he cups some water, and he puts it in his mouth and dribbles down his chin. The master says, well, and he says, oh, it's fresh. And the master looks at the apprentice. He says, stop being a glass, become a lake.
0: Wow. <laughs>
1: uh.
0: <laughs> that's, and that, that's,
1: that is, it, that's an amazing, it's an anonymous ancient Hindu teaching story. And what it, why I tell it and why it helps me is because it tells us that no one, everybody has salt. Nobody gets away without having salt. Sometimes we get it a grain at a time. Sometimes we get it all at once. And, you know, so everybody has pain. Everybody will experience some form of hurting. Yes. But whether we're bitter or not depends on what we put that pain in. So when we can enlarge our sense of things and become a lake, then it dissipates. The acuteness of the pain doesn't remove it. We still have it, yes. but it it's not as sharp. And so, again, like we we say, oh, gee, well, I don't ever want to be a glass again. Well, <laughs> we're human. We will.
0: Exactly.
1: But the, that's not the, the question. And the challenge is when I find myself small, how do I enlarge myself again?
0: Yeah. I No, I love that. You know, I have to tell you, I, I started this show. It's called Get the Funk Out because I lost a friend of mine, and I wanted some place to put my grief. And I was fascinated with how when people go through a tough time, sometimes life gets worse for them. But for other people, they might learn something from this really challenging time, and they don't deny they're in pain, they kind of walk through the pain, and they learn from it, or they gain something from it.
1: Yeah, you know, I think this is very true. And um, and I think that, you know, even like it's been over 30 years from my cancer journey and, you know, I'm not obsessed with cancer. I'm not, but I, I don't believe I ever got over it. Yes. I, I think the, uh, our challenge is to get under it, not mm-hmm. over it. And, and I think that it informed, and when we experience something like losing a loved one, I mean, and and if we love, we will feel lost. Right. Uh, and if we don't love, what's the point? And so we will feel loss, and and I think, for me at least, you know, with when I've experienced loss or, or going through almost dying with cancer, uh, these things, um, they change the landscape of one's life. And so you can't just go back to normal, because there's no normal to go back to, where we have to be committed to discovering the new map, because the old map is gone. And and in some ways, paradoxically, that's the gift of the grief, is that it forces us to move more deeply into life and to throw away our old maps and create new ones.
0: Yes, because when you think back to where you were, how you felt, and then you, the cancer, when did the cancer go away?
1: yeah it can't it can't it doesn't go away and and again also let me say this too that yes it it doesn't deify you know cancer's a disease right it, it it's what it, it's what the things of life open it's open whatever's opened in us is more important than what opens us so you know and it and it right. could be something it doesn't have to be life threatening it could be something wonderful like being completely loved for the first time. Completely yes. seen for the first time, or stunned by just, you know, natural beauty. So it just happened, I talk about cancer because that's what happened to me. Right. But everyone will be given an opportunity to be dropped into the depth of life. And that's when our spiritual journey really begins.
0: And so, and And I'm looking at your portfolio of books you've written, and I'm thinking, look at how his whole life, not only changed for him, but for other people as a result of all these gifts you've brought the world.
1: Well, it's all been a blessing, and it's been, you know, more than I ever imagined. Um, and, you know, so, you know, just to be here is amazing. And um, and so that really changed everything. And, you know, I really continued writing Because it's like it's how the heart breathes, and it's not you don't even have to write it down. It's really about expression. It's about feeling and expressing. We inhale and exhale with our lungs. Well, the way the heart inhales and exhales is we experience things and then we express. We experience and we express, and just as you can't you can't breathe without you know inhaling and exhaling. Well, you can't be fully alive unless you feel and express. And it doesn't matter how you do it. You don't have to write down books or, I mean, you could do it through making dinner for loved ones or gardening or walking your dog or, you know, there's a thousand ways. And it's not about creating great art. It's about being as alive as possible.
0: So that brings me to my next question. Uh, tell me about your latest book, more together than alone. How did that come about?
1: Well, the, yeah, that that book is um, is a little different. It's the same lens. It's my lens, my heart lens. But I I was looking. It really started back during my cancer journey, though I didn't really. It was about ten years later that I really started moving into a book. Was was my first experience of community of being. Uh, more together than alone. Being in those waiting rooms, having, you know, being with strangers, you suddenly became intimates. You know, you're sitting there and you're next to someone and you go, hey, how are you? And they go, not good. And um, me either. Mm -hmm. I'm afraid. I'm terrified. And all of the, you know, social etiquette and everything just drops away. And, you know, and I was closer to those people um, than I can can imagine. And I don't even know to, to this day, their last names, where they live, what they did, but we were intimate. And so I think years later I started to be interested in stories of moments when we worked well together, when we were there for each other across time and in different cultures and throughout history. And so it was it took a long time to write because I had to find the stories, but but also because it was it was a different terrain and so I would work on it for six months and it would kinda of beat me up so I'd work on another book for a while. Okay. And then I'd go back and um you know, it's like when you go on those um uh ellipticals at, at health clubs or any of those uh yes. uh yeah, and they have <laughs> programs for weight loss, so it's easy for a while, and then all of a sudden the incline is up for five minutes. Oh, it's really hard. <laughs> yeah, so that was like whenever I'd go to this book, it was like when it was hard, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I would go, "Oh my god, I I gotta put it down." And so I kept coming and going with it until after thirteen years, I finally finished it. And um, and I I really the book really is a a tribute to affirming the lineage of care and interdependence and kindness, which is quieter than discord and fear and violence, but it's, it's much deeper and much more life-giving and it's available to us all the time.
0: Yeah. I feel like we don't realize it.
1: No, we, 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 well, we, I think this is because there's this part of like spiritual physics is that um, Things are always coming together and falling apart at the same time, but things make a lot more noise when they fall apart, and they're much quieter when they come together. And so we in the modern global age, I think we're addicted to the noise of things falling apart, and it doesn't mean that things aren't coming together at the same time. They're just quieter and require more of our presence and attention.
0: That's so true. So I wanted to ask you, I noticed you're part of Oprah Winfrey's The Life You Want tour. Uh, How did that all come together?
1: Oh, well, you know, I mean, it really all came together from earlier than that, when uh, Oprah discovered the Book of Awakening. And, you know, like anyone that she has touched, it just changed everything for me and for that book and all my books. And, uh, you know, she had um, uh, an assistant of hers in Chicago back in two thousand ten, um, was taking a yoga class and so some, yeah. and someone was quoting from the book and she really she got the book and she kinda connected with it and then she gave it to Oprah as a birthday present. And it just happened that, you know, you know how it is, you could have a, a book and if you're not in the right timing you could put it on your shelf and oh, never yes. look at it. But it just worked out that you know, she, it was speaking to where she was at the time, and all of a sudden, you know, I got a call from her team that she wanted to talk to me, and, you know, of course, that was pretty astonishing, and I was thinking in my mind, who's playing a joke on me? Exactly. You know? Who is this really? <laughs> and, yeah, who is this really? It's one of my friends, <laughs> and, um, and, you know, and, and then we really connected, had a deep connection from there, so, uh, you know, she kindly from time to time has involved me in things, and he asked me to be a part of that tour.
0: That's incredible. And you've been interviewed by so many people. I mean Robin Roberts, who I love, and Good Morning America. Um tell me what what do you feel like is on your do you have a list of things that you want to do as far as, you know, other books you want to write?
1: Oh yeah. I mean I don't have I don't have a, a, a bucket list. Okay. you know i I really you know i just I feel like a fish that has found its way into the the deep current, and all I wanna do is just keep swimming there yes. <laughs> and and the the books are the kind of trail of what goes through my gills and and you know so really, I just wanna I do have other books that that I'm working on, and I feel like they're my teachers I keep learning from them and and the books are the trail of my inquiry. And, I, and I, I, the next book is, uh, is coming out in September, which is called Drinking from the River of Light, The Life of Expression, and it's about this deeper process we've kind of touched on, um, this deeper process of, of expression that everyone alive has to be involved in, uh, regardless of what art form, and really looking at it very widely, and so... Um, I just kind of finished the proofs of that, and that'll be coming out from Sounds True in September. And I love, you know, teaching and being in, you know, teaching circles with people, um, which I do, you know, I'll be, I'm usually home this time of year, but just next week I'll be starting, uh, again, being on the road, and people can find on my website um, either com or threeintentions, all spelled out, one word, threeintentions.com, where I'll be, through the next year, um, Oh, good. and uh, yeah, and I, you know, I just I love that being in that kind of circle with people.
0: Now, are you still a writer for Spirituality and Health Magazine?
1: Yes. Yep. Every, uh, you know, I have a regular column in Spirituality and Health um, now, which is really a blessing. And they're a wonderful group. It's a great, a great magazine that that's been going for, I think, for twenty or thirty years now. Um and um yeah so i'm I'm doing that, so I just really i'm just you know i i love I don't really feel like I don't have any you know grand goals, I just wanna keep uh doing what I love doing and learning and being with people um in this kind of way, this kind of authentic way
0: when you think back to when you were little, did you? Did you feel like there was something different about you? Like, are you not surprised you ended up where you are now?
1: Well, I think, I I did think, you know, I don't don't think there's anything. um, I think what I'm uh, experiencing, we all have the capacity to experience, and our life leads us in different ways. And you know that old saying there, but for the grace of God, you know, I mean, um, I think of my... Cancer journey, and but for a hiccup of God, I would be gone and you'd be talking to someone else today. And so I never take that for granted. But I, you know, I feel in the beginning as a, as a little boy, I felt like, and I mentioned earlier, that life was always God, whatever you want to call the large unity of life, the universe, uh, it was talking to me through metaphors. So when I was, even as a boy, you know, I had no language for it. When I was alone or I would be in the woods or I would be by a river. You know, I would feel like things would be saying, look, look, pay attention. Look, the wind through the trees, what is this like? It's like what? What is it like? And so I was always being kind of uh, brought to, toward things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then as I, I think what it caused me to start writing, though, was my, you know, when I was in high school and my first love, my first broke my heart and, Oh, Dump me and, yes. and uh which is archetypal. Everybody has to go through it and uh, and so then you know I didn't have close friends yet and so I started writing to to help with the heartache and uh, and when I started to heal I realized I wasn't just talking to myself I had started a conversation with life with the universe and um, and and that just kind of opened up from there.
0: That's amazing. I think it's so important to pay attention to how you're feeling and how you process things.
1: Yeah, because our heart is our guide and our teacher. And if we listen, I mean, one of the other paradoxes is is that what's in the way is the way. You know, we often understandably like, oh, if I could just, if if I get through this, then I'll be able to turn back to my dream, or then if I could get through this, then I could be, and no, what's in the way is the way. And our teaching, you know, in the Hindu tradition, there's a term upa guru, which means the teacher that is next to you at this moment. And there's always a teacher next to you at this moment. If we will stop and be present, and listen and listen
0: so it's so important powerful messages thank you anything else you would like to leave the listeners with
1: oh you know just just that i really uh, believe that everyone is born with a gift and and our challenge is to discover what it is and then to honor it nurture it and and listen to it and um and so I just encourage everyone, uh, that's listening that whenever you're struggling, just uh, return to this basic question like, what is heartening for you and what is disheartening? And if you find yourself doing things that are disheartening, ask why. Stop, you know? Uh, and if, and what is it that's heartening and do more of what is heartening. And that will always lead us, to, um, to healing and being more alive
0: yes well i want to thank you so much for calling into our studios
1: oh you're welcome uh, great to, to journey with you here
0: let me give you uh give everyone your website it's mark nepo dot com.
1: yes and three com, all spelled out that's a sister website
0: perfect and I'm going to check your calendar because if you're ever out in California or if I'm ever in your space where you are, I'd love to meet you.
1: Oh, that would be terrific. That would be wonderful. And all the best with your with your journey here and what you're sharing here. It's great to be a part of
0: it. Thank you so much, Mark. If you missed any part of my conversation with Mark Nepo, everything is on my show blog, which is getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. And if you want to follow the show, I am on Twitter at moms underscore rock. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine.